And welcome to episode 16 of the Movie Bunker podcast. It's me, Chris. And me, Matt. Is that why I say it like that? And me, Matt. Matthew, this is a um, big one. Big number 16. And and the, this is kind of our Moby Dick, our white whale, our, our one that got away. It got away because it went off Netflix because I, I dragged my feet about watching it, which I'm kind of glad I did now. And then it came on television. So we recorded mm. it, didn't we, Chris? I put the VHS, <laughs> I pressed record. I typed in the video plus code to make sure I didn't miss it. <laughs> I labelled it up and I put the the VHS cassette into a fake book looking cover. Oh, did you pop the tabs out so someone couldn't record over it unless they put a bit of card and a tape over the top? Yeah. <laughs> this is podcast gold for everyone under the age of 38, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Classic days they were. So, Chris, what is coming up on today's podcast? Well, we'll be reviewing Movie 43. That's what we're here to do. Um, we'll be talking about the good and bad stuff in it. I'm sure that's going to be interesting. <laughs> uh, we'll have the usual uh, social media comments. And also, we've got an exciting interview with Marshall Julius. Marshall is a fantastic film journalist, amongst other things. He's got a very broad CV. It was a fantastic chat. And we spoke for a long time. So what we'll probably do is have a lovely edited version of the interview in the last third of the podcast, as I said. And I think just because of this so much excellent content, we'll have a standalone episode where we can get the full glory of the interview with uh, Marshall because it was pretty good. Looking forward to it. Movie 43 was the film and it's one, yes, as you say, the one that got away. It's it's kind of up there with Jack and Jill in terms of its turkiness, right? Yes, definitely. And so I just want to put a little warning out there right now that this film is obscene. And so therefore, the only way to talk about it is to obviously describe some of the obscenities that are in it. Yes. So as well as the usual language issues that we have for us that we you know, we use colourful language to describe the films that we watch. There's quite a few fuck bombs in the last episode. I realised that maybe I should stop saying fuck quite so much. Yeah, well, I don't think that really matters. But I think because I think, you know, we're all we're all adults. The problem we've got is that this film has is got some really what's the word, offensive material in it. Yes. So for us to describe that offensive material to you, if you haven't seen the film, you, you might find some of it uh, offensive, essentially. So I'm looking down my list of things and I'm like, yeah, I mean, like there is not a, like the subject matter of these minettes um, is not a single one you could bring up at work <laughs> with like without fearing the wrath of HR. It's the most unsafe for work <laughs> conversation you can have when you're describing this film or, or talking about its merits so we saw i didn't realize did you realize this chris there's actually two versions of this film yeah there's a uk version and a us version we saw the the uk version right uh i don't know which but we saw the thread there's the pitch and the thread and we saw the thread lucky us should we describe the film actually what i'll do first is i'll play the trailer so here's the trailer something I want to ask you. There's something I'd like to ask you. How about we say it at the same time? Okay. One, two... Will you poop on me? What? How's your HPV? It's your HPV, Veronica. I'm just carrying it. 
Truth or dare? Yeah. See that blind kid over there? I dare you to blow out his candles before he gets a chance to. They homeschool their son. It's very important that Kevin has a normal and complete high school experience. You dropped your books, fuckface. Hey guys! Come check out this kid's weird pews! Surprise! Caught you a leprechaun. I'm gonna cut off your balls and feed them to you! Jeez, they're so into balls. Coach, there's 10,000 people out there that think that we ain't good enough. Win or lose, I am so proud of y'all. But you're gonna win. What game are we playing? Basketball, coach. What color is this game? White. Y'all gonna kill those Caucasians. You're black, they're white. This ain't hockey. The Ibe is a high-fidelity music player. Kids are sticking their penises in the badge of court. The fan then mangles their penises. You did extensive testing. Any red flags? Can I please come in? Debbie Clark's here, the girl you asked out. It's gonna be awkward. No, no wait, mom, Sorry. just mom. Sorry. Fight. Mom. Seven a period. What do I do? Oh, we're just gonna have to plug it up. 911. My friend is bleeding out of her vagina. And the frozen peas in a sponge. You sucked off that hobo for magic beans. He was a wizard. This is fucked up. Poop on me. You don't wanna be Mr. Two Squeeze, thank you, please. Just when I thought it couldn't get more offensive. Boom. Oh. Oh. How many fucking times do I have to tell you? You're black, they're white. What you're saying is we just walk with the Lord. The Lord and did his part already. He made you black. He gave you a foot and a half dick. Dribble with that motherfucker. So yes, what is movie 43, The Thread? Chris, what is it? What is it? <laughs> what is it? Well, basically, movie 43 is, is made up of individual uh, vignettes uh, s- sketches if you like right yes it's um I can't, i'm trying to think of uh, another film which is kind of made this way so there's there's a several sort of like dramary ones that are done in this way but i don't think of any other comedies when i say comedies i don't think of any other films like this that i've seen before but the thing is 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 the, the cast list is just insane so just to like i know, I know we'll go into this and there's, there's no way we cannot talk about the people in this film because it is insane because we watched the uk thread version right we missed out on dennis quaid greg kinnear common seth mcfarlane those people were just in the version that we didn't see so there's a cut that we didn't see with those people in it that that would make most people go oh i'll watch that film because it's got dennis quaid in it or oh i'd watch that film because it's got greg kinnear in it or seth Mm. mcfarlane those people on their own in a bit that's just cut away to try and make this film i don't know what better better for the uk audience <laughs> yeah let's take out let's take away a bunch of really highly recognizable people and put in a bunch of dicks we've never seen before yeah the version that we didn't see with the one you've just described with dennis quaid and seth MacFarlane is basically from what i know from what i've read is dennis quaid is pitching movie ideas to a studio he comes up with all these more and more elaborate stories that you then see in, uh, in these vignettes the uk version is, is slightly different it's built with he's got these uh, child actors who are trying to find movie 43 on the internet it doesn't exist but ends up yeah. triggering some sort of apocalypse in the dark web do you know what it kind of reminds me of and i think they probably i think this is probably what's tried to happen here is that there's a famous comedian's rite of passage which is the the aristocrats joke have you heard of this no okay so it's worth looking up it's it's a joke which you tell which um involves um a family going to a show promoter's um office and 
doing ever increasingly disgusting things. That the, the, each comedian's version starts with the same opening, and then has this elaborate show with the same you know core elements, and then the punchline is, what, what would you call this performance? And they go, the aristocrats. So it, it, it's it, for some reason when I was watching this, it made me think of that, especially with the idea that the, the first one was the pitch. In that, it's almost like they were trying to go horrible without worrying about it being funny. Yeah, it's it's hard to say, but yeah, if you get a chance, there's a there's a good documentary about it, and I think like it's one of these sort of like weird thing amongst comedians where it's. Like a, a dark secret, which they try and keep amongst themselves. Oh, who's the comedian, the squeaky voice guy who played, I think, the parrot in Aladdin? <laughs> he once did it during a uh, award show. And as he started telling it, he, everyone was like, <gasps> he's, he's doing the aristocrats joke. Um, okay. But it's just the, the, the only thing I could think of, of about how this was made was that it's it's that similar vein of things of trying to be shocking without actually worrying about being funny because the payoff, the funny, is the fact that it's not funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the only way I can excuse it to myself. Do you want to go through some of the um, the cast? Oh. Read out the cast list if you can. Right, okay. So I'm um, starting from like the top in the, the first vignette. We have uh, Hugh Jackman. Um, I'm only going to read out the AAA letters, names that bounce off the page. Even the under actors, you'll recognise all of them. But I say I'm not going to read them out because it's just insane. So apart from yeah. those ones I read out, we didn't actually see. You've got um, Hugh Jackman, Kate Winslet in the first section. Then you've got Lee Schreiber and Naomi Watts in the second segment. Anna Ferris and Chris Pratt. In the third segment, Kieran Culkin, Emma Stone, Richard Gere, Kate Bosworth, Ugh. Justin Long, Jason Sudakis, Uma Thurman, uh, Bobby Cannavale, Kristen Bell. Uh, it just goes on. Christopher Mintz Plaz, Chloe Great Smith-Moretz, uh, Gerard Butler, Sean William Scott, Johnny Knoxville, Halle Berry, Stephen Merchant. <laughs> It's just so weird. <laughs> Terence Howard, <laughs> Elizabeth Banks. It goes on, doesn't it? It goes on and yeah, on. Even like yeah. even the smaller. Um, like side. I say, that's just the people. Like that's the absolute triple A's people that would carry films on their own. Uh, every even like I say, the under actors are also done. Um, and then in terms of directors for each segment, we've got like different ones. You've got Elizabeth Banks, Peter Farrelly, James Gunn, Brett Ratner. <laughs> um, so like and again you'd probably recognise uh, Will Graham from Thingy Bob um, CSI you just it's just I was really worried about this one I, I think I've said this before about other stuff that we watch I'm, I'm always concerned when we pick a film especially when recently we've been dabbling around the sevens in terms of the ratings and that it's like this, there's, there's a chance that we're, we're no longer in like underrated categories mm. we pick this out this has got obviously a horrible rating but I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the the casters and I'm like a lot of these people I would seek out and watch their films anyway yeah and I'm, I'm reading through the casters and I'm like there is no way that this is going to be shit there's no mm. way that there's going to be stuff in here which is going to be actually funny and you only need two or three bits for it to be worthwhile. Well, Matthew, I'll be controversial a bit later on because there's, there are at least two of the vignettes that I did chuckle in. Ooh, I, I got one. <laughs> okay, but we'll, we'll, we'll leave that to the end because this film was marketed as being, 
you know, right from the very get-go, they, they really wanted to push the shock tactics, I guess. They went for shock tactics, I guess, with this with the marketing of this film. Yes. Um, the taglines were things like, you've never seen a film like this before. Everything you've heard about this movie is true, unspeakable, unforgivable, unbelievable, unsafe, unreal, and just plain wrong. Unsafe. <laughs> Unsafe's a bit of a weird one. That was one of the taglines used by the studio, but I do agree with it. I mean, it is all wrong. And so very well uh, ill-conceived, it seems. I mean, none of the segments or the little, what do you call them, vignettes? Is that the right word, I guess? Yeah. None of them None of them sync together. They don't all tally or tie back or, uh, or or come together in any way, shape or form. And they all seem to be outdoing themselves in terms of vulgarity and, and uh, like I say, offensiveness. How it happened and why it happened is very, is very confusing. There's a really interesting fact uh, that uh, I think one of the reasons why some a lot of the actors did come on board with this film is because Kate Winslet and Hugh Jackman filmed their film uh, three years prior to the film coming together like proper so they were linked to it uh, originally and so therefore that star power probably brought in a lot of the other big names thereafter yeah and and i mean i would say that they they start the film with probably the less offensive of the of the uh, which is weird because when you watch this obviously you're, you're introduced i mean like um the joke here and the only joke here is that hugh jackman has a pair of testicles um on his hanging off his neck kate winslet's there on a blind date he's on a blind date with uh, kate winslet and so she obviously spots something wrong or unusual um but everyone around this uh, bachelor eligible bachelor in this restaurant loves this guy yeah and no one seems to either recognize or acknowledge the fact that he's got uh, uh testicles. testicles in an unusual place <laughs> is that they, they kind of paid it like is it just a deformity is it just like a skin tag that looks like a pair of testicles uh, but then it would like it would react like testicles like when it got cold they'd shrivel up um mm-hmm. they had hairs like testes do but <laughs> and and this is um something that i can be it could be labeled a lot of the segments is that that there was there was no payoff there's no punchline to this so it plays like a like a uk sketch show like the far show something that we got lots of things and none of them are more than sort of four or five minutes long i don't think uh yeah so some of them felt longer but i guess (laughs) (laughs) but yeah there was like it, it was there and i'm like i'm i'm waiting i'm waiting i'm waiting for the the payoff the actual you know the large laugh or the big joke at the expense of Hugh Jackman's neck testicles. Well, the the payoff on this segment, I keep calling them segments. Uh, it's not a chocolate orange, but the the. <laughs> The payoff on this one is the fact that eventually the testicles go into uh, her face, don't they? In a fo- in a photo opportunity, which yeah. she's recoiling at. Yeah, that's that's it. That's that's the joke. Is that the, there are testicles? What I like about this um, this particular video, oh, this this <laughs> vignette. What I like about your vignette is Kate Winslet's acting her reaction to it and her facial expressions and the way she plays it i think is is quite good because probably because but are you slightly about, in love with kate wesley are you no no jaundiced? no 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 because i think i've seen her do something similar we talked about her in uh, the uk uh, sitcom ed extras where she sets yeah, as, herself up she has great comedic timing yeah, and I think no. there there's a lot of similarities between the performance in Movie 43 and the extras uh, Ricky Gervais series when she sends herself up in that. Yeah. So she's able able to do slapstick 
crude comedy quite well. And Hugh Jackman is likable uh, in whatever he does. Um, you know, he's a great guy. Yeah, we said that before in the podcast. So the two of them together in this very farcical situation, I didn't find that offensive or that troublesome. No, the only thing, that, the only laugh that came out over this particular one, so I watched this with my wife, is that um, she looked over and just laughed at my face. <laughs> <laughs> she just looked at me and was like <laughs> your face because I had just like this weird look of like I don't understand what was the next one the oh, next God. vignette was uh, the Naomi Watts homeschool thing yeah yeah possibly the most horrible thing I've seen yeah that was something that's not horrible like meant to be horrible. Basically, mm. this is a sketch about incestual child abuse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, when, you, when you put it that way, you Sorry. can't argue that. I can't say it without laughing. Yeah, <laughs> incestual child abuse. Liv Schreiber and uh, Naomi Watts decided to homeschool their young son, um, yeah. and therefore to give him to give him the ultimate experience of high school. They basically put take on the roles of you know bullying gym instructors uh, yep. hallway bullies um etc first kisses the popular and of course girl, you the popular yeah, boy yeah. And, and if you um incorporate you know all those characters within the, the the parents it gets really ugly and uncomfortable especially when naomi watts is uh, uh tried to convince um her son to to kiss uh, she tries to convince him of more than that she asks him if he has protection at the end of that, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, uh, and then they, uh, yeah, and then they <laughs> tie, tie him up to a pole and and tell him he's worthless and he's got poo on his on him, hasn't he? And all that yeah. sort of stuff. It's awful, really horrible. It is ho- horrendous. Um, I mean, um, my my face from the first one didn't improve yeah. with this. The, it's the really horrible. One. And so that that was bad. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> I, I wrote down in my notes next to that one, apart from incest and child abuse, um, I, I wrote down um, Blue Jam, um, which was a yes. sketch series. And I, I know it, after this and f- throughing the rest of this film, I was kind of comparing it to Blue Jam because that also rode that fine line between what was acceptable um, for laughs and what wasn't acceptable for laughs. And I couldn't really pinned down why something like Blue Jam got it right and something like this got it so horribly wrong and I just I couldn't work it out and then um, if you've got any answers to this I'd quite know because you know that when you look at some of the content from the Blue Jam sketch you had like a, a child based assassin that would like swear and be horrible and then porn stars the catching the cummings so there was similar disgusting but yet worked and I don't know why that worked just written better I guess <laughs> Do you want to talk about um, the next one? Yeah, and it's a, a lot of these people are actually couples, weren't they? This is the thing. So obviously, Liev Schreiber and Naomi Watts were actually married at the time. Okay. And then Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris were in a long-term relationship. I'm guessing it was they were um, together during this film because um, it's only recent that they split up. Well, it's pre-Guardians of the Galaxy, isn't it? So uh, yeah, Chris Pratt's pre, got his, Pre-Chris his... Pratt getting fit. He's a, he's a bit of a fatty yeah, yeah, in this yeah. one. <laughs> No, so, he's, he, to me, he comes across as a, a, a normal-looking chap until he went yeah. all gymified. <laughs> until he got star-lorded. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so he's in this with his um, long-term partner, Anna Ferris, who, who used to be everywhere for, at one point, wasn't she? She was, like, massive. 
Yeah, she's not casting a great deal these days. No. This one was bad as well, wasn't it? Yeah, this one wasn't probably as bad as some of the other ones. This one was kind of just normal, I would say just normal gross-out comedy. In this, um, Anna Ferris, Chris Pratt, Anna Ferris, they, they, they sat there on a picnic mat, aren't they? And um, it, it's clear that Chris is about to propose and they both have something to say. They did a whole trip over each other. Oh, no, oh, oh sorry, no, no, you go first. And then they yeah, go yeah. three, two, one, and they're like, will you? And she's like, shit on me. No, it's poop. It's poop. Poop, sorry, yes, he doesn't doesn't use... Yes, because that was the payoff at the, the end. The payoff yeah. at the end is the fact, yeah, yeah. The, 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 good thing about, the, the good thing about this particular segment is... <laughs> I'm going to keep saying segment. The good thing about this is actually the chap from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Have you oh seen yeah, that? yeah, yeah. He's the, the he's at a picnic talking about it, and they've got a clip of that which I'll play. Oh, man, you just hit the fucking lottery, man. You don't think it's a little weird for wanting him to shit on her? Whoa, 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 whoa! Slow down, man. Have respect for this guy, okay? She did not ask him to shit on her. Shitting is something you do on a whore. Right. Right? Pooping is a gift you give to your soulmate. Okay. Of course. I never looked at it like that. So tell me, man, what's on the menu before you do the big D? I don't know. Does it fucking matter? Is she a vegetarian? No. Boom. Big beef burrito with extra beans on that bad boy. Put some salsa, some guacamole for color. So when it come out of you, it's a festival. You know what I'm saying? You went to extra yard for your lady. You hear me? I'm doing something classy, okay? I'm doing seared ahi, tuna steaks, a salad, and red wine. No, 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 no! Fucking no! God. Move on to the next one, or have you got anything else to say about Mr. Pratt? No, I can't really think of anything else to say about that one. No. This next one, (laughs) my, my notes for the next one just say random. So the next one it was uh, Kieran Culkin and Emma Stone having a chat at a till. Yeah. I didn't write any notes about this one because, as you say, it was too random, and I it was it, I didn't understand it. I I really didn't. They're trying to be as offensive as each other to each other as they can, and, and aren't they yeah. essentially? And yeah. what is going on in that relationship? What is the point of it? What, Imagine the outtakes I, was quite funny on that. Um, it, it's also worth pointing out, like, so we're we're, we're four segments in. Um, in between each of these was the the thread of these uh, teenagers trying to find um, Movie 43, which they don't believe exists. There was a weird kidnap plot. It's got the guy from Hackers in it randomly at one point. Oh, yeah. Well, he's he's the guy from um, Short Circuit. Yes, he's in that also. <laughs> yeah. Short Circuit 1 and Short Circuit 2. And also an episode of Friends. <laughs> cool. Right, Phoebe's, Phoebe's boyfriend who calls them out for being completely shallow and needy. Yeah, um, one of the best episodes ever, I think, where he basically shoots them all down in the cuff in the coffee shop and walks out. And I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. They're a bunch of needy pricks. Yeah, yeah. The line, the best line he says is like, you're drinking from these massive coffee coffee cups, which might as well have nipples on them. Um, <laughs> I remember that line because he delivers it with such uh, a plomb. It's a brilliant uh, episode of Friends. Actually, is good. It's a good one. Anyway, so what I can gather um, from, um, from what we talked about so far is that the, the best thing about this film is it makes you <laughs> long for and remember things that were funny in other films <laughs> and other programs other, that you've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next one is the iBabe. The, the, the first of the iBabe commercials. Which is with Richard Gere. The, well, the, this bit you don't see Richard Gere, is it? It's just literally... Oh, it's an the, advert. The advert for iBabe, which is... Um, it seemed like a gratuitous reason to have a random naked woman 
but yeah, it just kind of popped on. It's weird. A woman looks like she's being used as an iPod, and then it goes away again. Yeah. And it, it follows the same tropes as um, Apple's marketing campaigns at that time, which is about 2014, where they were like funky dancing kids people, dancing yeah, around yeah. saying, I listen to my iPad, my iPod, and I'm really cool. <laughs> and they do little dance routines, and you see, iTunes. But this is steady, it's that, ah, babe. And it's a naked woman. Yeah, it must have taken literally hours to write this sketch. But we'll come back to I, babe, because we do see it again later on when we actually look at... Yeah, it gets gets further exposure, if if that was possible. Um, Then there's the Robin speed dating segment. Yeah, so this has got a... Uh, yeah, Uma Thurman and uh, Uma Thurman, Christian Bell. Yeah, in this one, Justin Long is um, uh, a, a badly attired uh, fake Robin um, who is speed dating, um, and then his kind of bullish Batman, played by Jason Sudeikis, is there, and then various people from, I guess, the DC universe turn up in in different form. Uma Thurman is Lois Lane, Bobby Cannavale. Which he can't help but saying in a ring teeny teeny voice, Bobby Carvalho uh, is Superman, <laughs> uh, Kristen Bell is Supergirl, Leslie Bob, Wonder Woman, who's uh, famous uh, for being the interviewer in Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, so this one, oh, see, I don't know, I don't know how many of these, if I saw them independently, I don't know how many of these, if I would actually just maybe enjoy more. Mm. Um, I, I, say, I say we've I think we've mentioned this kind of um, uh, not lethargy but this kind of punch drunkenness during these shit films that you get before um, because um, I remember Jack and Jill remember, remember, do you remember do you remember when we watched Jack and Jill do you, dear, dear Chris do you remember that <laughs> I do I do yeah so I remember watching that and then like um, just being sort of horrified and amazed that such a huge piece of shit could ever get made but then I remember whilst doing the research for the comments and stuff, looking at the trailer and actually laughing at the trailer. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I found the fucking film horrible and unworthy. And yet I actually just giggled at the trailer. So I wonder how many of these sketches, if I just took them out and showed you it, you'd actually go, actually, that was reasonably enjoyable or not shit. So the the Batman one, I, I don't know if you could, because I mean, the, again, it's, tasteless <laughs> again it's, it's there's a lack of actual punchline moments in it which i think you need in things this short you know you can kind of have a long-running gag in a film um but i don't think you can have a long-running gag in a in a, a vignette am i right in saying the next one is machines are full of kids it was like a charity advert for kids in machines so basically, you know, every time you mistreat a, um, a, a, a photocopy or a cash machine, uh, just to be aware that there are orphaned children inside that are, are serving you by... Yes, I <laughs> completely blanked that from my memory. It's like a campaign video, wasn't it, to yeah, uh, yeah. think of the children that are, or the children that are working in these machines and, and how badly you can treat the yeah. equipment around you. The abuse. I mean, that, 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 would, that in itself is... a is fine uh, for a, a little sketch. It would have worked yeah. probably on any sketch show, UK, uh, Saturday Night Live, or in America, or anything. It would have been absolutely fine. And we've seen some similar stuff like this before. And you could have done a, like a you know home video style um, 
what you call it, um, Beatles about type thing with with that sort of situation. That's happened before. They've used that sort of yeah. gag. Yeah, you know, there's somebody in there that's doing <laughs> the things that you know, like a. And I've made these jokes before in the office at work. You know, I've gone up to something and asked when, and when when it's spit, you know, when it's a paper jam. I've I've done some like pretended to speak to the person inside say sorry could you could you could you pass me the could you sort out the paper in there it seems to have got a stark or whenever i get a um a photocopy it comes out okay thank you <laughs> but those are the sort of things that make make uh, the office just enjoyable so i mean is that what I, makes I, it enjoyable <laughs> Well, well, it, it. I think it really lightens the mood in my office. I don't know. They they all seem to love it. Well, I does next time you get a paper jam, just dial me in, mate. <laughs> just fucking <laughs> Facetime me because I I need to see this for her hand. This this gag I didn't think was too bad. Uh, it had a, it was. Yeah. Is this one of your giggle moments? No, not really. Oh. I just I just no. I didn't laugh. I just thought, oh, okay, I've seen it before. You, it wasn't you offensive. You teased the fact there was two giggles. Yeah, that? no, I well, I want to tell. I mean, I did laugh at the Hugh Jackman's test. Oh no, you laughed. You laughed at the testicles. I laughed at Hugh Jack's, Jackman's testicle neck. Wow, but twice, or is that just one of the giggles? Uh, there was another giggle later on. I'm trying to think what it was now. I don't know. I can't remember. No, maybe that was it then. Maybe <laughs> the one. one giggle. One giggle, and it's in the first two minutes of the film. <laughs> yeah, one giggle at testicle neck. <laughs> <laughs> Next, moving on. Richard Gere, Kate Bosworth, and several other people you'll recognise. Um, in, a, in a follow-on from the Eye Babe. Yeah, <sighs> this is horrible. So this is so misogynistic; it's untrue. The, apparently, um, Richard Gere tried to get out of this, but they wouldn't let him. Yeah, I think he saw what happened. Um, and I'm reading like on the IMDb. It's probably worth um, anyone that's bored whilst re- listening to us if if you um read down the trivia there are a lot of people that just went actually no i'm not doing that now the note the biggest name biggest name being george clooney who basically told yeah. the the producers to fuck off um and uh who's the other irish actor that's in um colin farrell colin farrell backed out yeah and uh, was replaced by um gerard butler so, I mean, the iBabe one carries on with a, a conference meeting or, a, or a, with with the people at um, iBabe and they're talking about the injuries that... Uh, yeah, basically people are fucking their iPods because they look like sexy women and that's where the fan is. <sighs> Again, we put it down to go and see the fan. It's much more than that. That's The fact that Richard Gere didn't want to be in it and I didn't want to watch it is probably enough for anyone at this point. <laughs> I mean, there's no real point in giving it a great deal of talking time other than the fact that it's probably one of the most ill-conceived of the jokes. I mean, based on the fact that it's it's so misogynistic. Um, is it Kate Bosworth? Yeah. Is the is the female voice on the on the board the only one She's the voice who's basically reason. saying, are you all fucking stupid? And yeah. the answer is, uh, yes, we are. Oh, yeah. Um, and... Uh, it's just re- see this utterly, joke, this, 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 so this is again uh, as I said none of, none of the sketches really have any payoff. The next one, yeah. the Chloe Moretz, um, is it Chloe Moretz? Yeah, she. This one's awful as well in a really horrible way. 
she she's on a date with her boyfriend at her house and they're kissing on the sofa and she she becomes a woman essentially uh, or starts <laughs> starts menstruating for the first her, time her moon blood um, arrived <laughs> yeah um so she's 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 shocked uh, by it obviously and yeah. then um uh, makes makes excuses and goes to the bathroom and then uh, th- as they discover the you know the situation is happening the males in the room i.e there's a brother and there's the the boyfriend yeah and then eventually the dad who says they're all hideous um just freak out and panic about you know what's going on and and, and she's obviously trying to deal with it herself and then the father turns up I mean, it's, it's just awful <laughs> excruciatingly badly pitched badly executed yeah. it's not funny yeah it's just it's not a, it's funny it's like a 1960s kind of gag but i mean obviously they wouldn't dare show period blood in that so um i, I kind of get where they were coming from on this one in the sense that yes. you know that there isn't you know there is that uh, uh, that sort of you know um mysterious uh Disgust. I mean, I think it's, it's something that's weirdly in the news quite a lot about um, uh, what they call it, sort of Tampax poverty, where people can't afford stuff like this and no one wants to talk about it. So it's like a. It's still so a big taboo. taboo. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was, I guess, their way of sort of trying to normalise that, but in a. In a really, really, really hack-eyed bad way. I tell you what, um, actually, if this was a. Yeah. Um, if this was a public health piss take video or, or, or an advertisement yeah. it might have worked in a way say aren't men stupid and that, i think that's what they wanted to, to to sort of carry across is that that you know women take this on in their stride on a daily basis and put up with it yeah uh, and the men are the ones that freak out about it and don't understand it and haven't got a fucking clue and i think you know that's quite a strong statement and probably you know actually quite true yeah um and uh, yeah, but it doesn't just did it felt it felt flat and it was just uh, not very sensitively dealt with. I suppose as again in the, in a standalone situation, maybe dealt with slightly differently, better script. It might have been okay. A public health like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? When sometimes when they want to show somebody something to kids and yeah. they might they might do it in a in a in a Saturday Night Live type of way and say, look, aren't these, this is, isn't this stupid? Look at these uh, parents and brothers and men. They don't, they don't know how to handle it. And you, know, yeah. you need to be able to take control of a situation. What is um, strange except- is that she went on to play uh, the, the Carrie in the remake of Carrie, didn't she? Which, um, oh yes. So yeah, has and, a famous, she has a famous period, which ends up, ends up with her uh, using her psychokinetic powers to basically nuke everyone in the t- the town, so you know that's maybe right. This yeah, was just her way of a prelude to that. A prelude to being a period mentalist. Uh. It's a shame because um, Chloe Grace Moretz is um, she's got she's done so many films. I was, I was like an interview with her. She's done like she's only what nineteen or something now, and she's done like. 30, 40, 50 films already. She's just yeah. worked Yeah, she's like tirelessly. the female, I mean, she female version of Nicolas Cage. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's the period one out of the way. Period. <laughs> um, and then we get the Leprechaun episode. Yes, where um, we see that people actors let themselves go in between films because Sean William Scott looking a bit podgy. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I did notice. Yeah. Like, oh, hello. In between films, <laughs> are we, Sean? <laughs> um, yeah, this one was weird. I don't know how much we could talk about this one. 
there was... Johnny Knoxville has kidnapped a leprechaun in his basement. In yeah, for played by Scottish relinqu- Gerard Butler. Yeah, to relinquish the pot of gold for his brother or his best friend or his cousin uh, for his birthday as yep. a... As a and also as an apology for having sex with his girlfriend. Yes, am I right? Yes, in a nutshell. Right. In a nutshell, he, and then he essentially said. they get beaten up by the leprechauns. They end up killing them as well. And there's a fairy uh, in it as well, which offers to does offers to do things for the for the gold coins as well. So it's yeah. sickening. Again, if I think if, if this is one of the ones, this the Batman, Chris Pratt. Uh, and two, two of the later and two of the later ones. I think if you pulled this out and put it on its own, like you say, in a in a normal either you know, Saturday Night Live sketch or something, then I think you would maybe giggle at this or or at least not be horribly offended because there's nothing in it. I mean, like you know, some of the other ones have horrible, horrible subject matters, incest, child abuse, and this <laughs> one just has you know leprechaun abuse, which is fine because they don't they're not real unfortunately uh, spoiler yeah, alert exist. sorry um, so yeah this one is, is not offensive in any way apart from someone mentions the fairy does blowjobs at the end but the, the fairy mentions it she, she offers it for for cash so clearly she's a prostitute fairy fairies fallen on no, hard it, times um, well, yeah. a fairy yeah. of the they, night they've got, to, they've got to work <laughs> street fairy anything else what do you think about uh, what do you think about Gerard Butler's performance uh, well, at least he wasn't Scottish in it. I mean, <laughs> that was the. I, I did actually. The weird thing is, is I went. I had to sort of ask and then check to see if it was Gerard Butler because I've never heard Gerard Butler do anything apart from his Scottish accent. <laughs> Whether or not he's playing a Spartan or a American bodyguard or anything, yeah. he's always just or even a, a, a Greek, uh, an Egyptian god. <laughs> um, he's nef- never anything more uh, than than. Gerald Butler being Gerald Butler, um, but then at least in this he does a, an Irish accent. One of the best lines I think I've ever heard Gerald Butler say is when he's is it White House down or is it the other one Olympus has fallen? Sorry, the the worst one out of the two, where he's uh, rescued uh, the president and they're in a in like a, a basement somewhere and he goes ah well first is fuck. <laughs> Uh, him and the president are having a big glass of water. He's just, that's just all I can remember. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, someone wrote that down in the script. And this is what I think. I think yeah, that. I thought I thought they just looked yeah, at it afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Went that was that's fucking gold. That's staying in. <laughs> well, you would be, wouldn't you, if you just you know battled your way through uh, the streets <laughs> protecting the president and you're hauled up in. It's like you. It's time to rehydrate. Yeah, I mean, the hydration is important, kids. Don't let Jared Butler put you off. But yeah, <laughs> thirsty as fuck. <laughs> Truth or Dare is the next one, Matthew. Yeah, I got a little dashy next to the names, Stephen Merchant and Halle Berry. Potential. This one actually was potentially quite funny. Um, <laughs> but then it's, it, it wasn't that much. So in the end, um, I, I liked the concept of this one. I thought it was good. You know, there was like this um, a, a, a date, blind date, um, and Halle Berry t- decides to cut through the, the, the chitty, shitty chit-chat um, and try and get Stephen Merchant to say something uh, refreshing and honest um, and then failing that they, they start playing an ever increasingly stakes game of truthful dare which I, yes. I, I, I didn't I didn't hate I, I, I kind of enjoyed it it didn't really pay off 
as much as well. Uh, but there was actually a punchline to this one, wasn't there? Which was then there? was yeah, there was. The, oh, they have sex with each other. Um, yeah, but before that, she goes after obviously making him do various amounts of plastic surgery. She declares that she doesn't find Chinese men attractive oh. um, because he's at the end. He's 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 yeah yeah he's. he's how do they get all this done in the space of one evening? That, that's your problem with this, is it, Chris? <laughs> he gets a he gets a, a scheduling tattoo. issue. <laughs> he gets a, t- a tattoo on his neck of a penis ejaculating into his own mouth. Uh, yeah, that's right. And she gets a lip surgery or a facelift. Yep, huge amount of Botox and, and boob. Yep, and a boob job. Yeah, which he manages to heal from as well, as you see. Yeah, and. And he, yes, he gets a plastic, like very heavy plastic surgery to to resemble a Chinese man. Yeah. Um, so mild racism, or well, racism, uh, if you'd want to put it that way. Um, and then, yeah, she blows candles out of a blind boy's cake, or he goes up and smack uh, cups a Mexican man's bottom. Uh, those are the mild things, obviously at the beginning, and then uh, she stirs guacamole with her breast. Yes. She makes but it's a fake boob, so don't get too excited. Yeah, and uh, and and I think Stephen Merchant, you know, said basically he enjoyed doing the sketch because he got to sit and look at Halle Berry for an afternoon. I must admit, I would do a lot worse than this to spend an afternoon or so with Halle Berry, if I'm honest. Well, exactly, um, but I mean, yes, he's obviously not suffered from doing it. He probably comes out better than anybody else maybe i don't know she's fairly harmless um we all know she can act and he can he's funny so yeah and he writes as well so i think i think maybe some of the better bits in this was probably helped along by him in this bit still not funny So the next one is uh, Victory's Glory with Terence Howard. So this is the set in the what the fifties or sixties, and it's uh... yeah it's set up like those all those sort of inspirational sports movies that you see. I actually liked this one. I thought this was funny. This is where I got my second chuckle it, from. It has to be this one because this one this one was actually quite amusing, and I, I do enjoy a good sports movie. Greatest game ever played. Field of Dreams, Rocky, Rocky Two, Rocky Three, <laughs> Creed, and it, it it steps on the toes of a lot of those kind of bits in those films where there's an inspirational speech, etc. Um, but obviously mm. the the, the <laughs> he he refuses to give an inspirational speech, and whenever they try and get inspirational, he just keeps shutting them up and just tells them that they win because they're they're large black men <laughs> playing against a yeah, tiny yeah, team yeah. of um of uh of, of of white middle class people so um it was yeah it was funny I, I i liked this one i thought it was actually amusing and it wasn't offensive kind of slightly racially profiling which is certainly the least talked about sketch uh out of the whole movie in terms of the offensiveness of it so maybe it got off lightly in that respect and hasn't caused too many problems so yeah uh, maybe, maybe it's okay to find it funny um, maybe it's it okay uh, so you know i, I don't know it, yeah. it's difficult, as, a, but... as a, a, a you know a southern middle class white male in england it's, it's hard for me to call these things so um I, by all means this could be horribly offensive to some people um yeah. but um from my point of view it, it 
it aped those horrible sports movies and um i i i, I laughed a couple of times at this one terence um what's his name terence howard stamp <laughs> terence howard <laughs> uh was pretty committed to that oh he was quite funny and there was a few dry bits and uh in there which i felt he, he delivered quite well yeah it was a a slight break in the horizon of a world of shit um had it started with this one maybe i'd have laughed at some of the other ones apart from the incestual child abuse which i still can't uh get over so lastly then it is bezel wanky cat bezel the cat which is an, an animated cat who in has a very stimpy style yeah you're so stupid elizabeth banks right yes she directed so this she, one, I think, as well as being in it. She no, she directed Middle School Date. She directed the period one. Oh, okay. That's James Gunn of um, James Gunn of Guardians of the Galaxy fame did this one. <laughs> this is before he got sacked off by Disney, I guess. This is these are the days where you could tweet. Yeah, he got sacked content. off by Disney for doing like a few outrageous tweets but they were perfectly happy of him directing this about a wanking cat not a problem the, the cat has got a major crush on his owner who's played by the guy from transformers and other things um, <laughs> yep and, and elizabeth, elizabeth banks is uh cocksure that uh bezel's got it in for her and obviously we see you see that in bezel because every time anyone else looks at bezel or the owner looks at bezel he's uh very well behaved but yeah. whenever no one else is around bezel was trying to sabotage uh, Elizabeth Banks in any way. So whenever she gets caught um, trying to kill it or um, sort it out, obviously she gets caught, I guess, by people who don't quite understand. So she gets run over by Bezel at one point and stabbed, I think, by him. And obviously when she does eventually try to kill it, the... the, the the children's party beating it to death with a spade. That's the one. And she's... "Ah!" Yeah. But Bezel is... um, Comes off okay in the end, does he? I can't remember what happens. Does uh, die? No, I think uh, he. I don't know. It's utterly obscene. Some of the some. It's it's not a nice. The imagery of uh, Bezel being um, fellated by. Uh, oh yeah, he's he's sticking a. Uh, I think it's a bathroom plunger up his own ass whilst masturbating, um, looking at his owner having sex. Yeah, from the cupboard, <laughs> um, whilst crying. Yeah, which is a statement I'd never, I never thought I'd say out loud. I didn't think. Well, that, the th- that would thing is, we did warn. I, I'm glad we warned the listeners because, um, yeah, that's not a sentence I want to hear you say again. No, nope, not going to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want some facts, please? Fact me. All right, so I, so George George Clooney. We mentioned this earlier on, but George Clooney turned down a cameo as himself in a segment where he would be shown to be bad at picking up women. His response reportedly was, no fucking way, obviously. Um, Anton Yelchin, um, obviously no longer with us, unfortunately, originally played a necrophiliac in a segment called The Apprentice, uh, directed by Steve Baker and Damon Escott. The segment was removed due to the highly offensive subject matter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other thing as well is worth noting is that this 
film and the cast of this film, the majority of them have been in superhero movies, mainly ones, uh, Marvel ones especially. So Emma Stone, Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. Stephen Merchant, Logan, Liv Schreiber, mm-hmm. Liv Schreiber, X-Men, Seth MacFarlane, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. He was the smoky guy in the suit. Uh, Hugh Jackman, obviously, was uh, uh, Wolverine. Chris Pratt, the we know. smoky guy in the suit? I yes, did he did the voice that. for that Russian-y or, or, or uh, German-type guy. Kate wow. Bosworth was in uh, Superman Returns, Uma Thurman, yeah. Batman and Robin. Bobby uh, Cannavale was in Ant-Man. Uh, Leslie Bibb, Iron Man, Iron yes. Man 2. Christopher Mintz-Plass, Kick-Ass, and Kick-Ass 2. And Chloe Grace Moretz was in Kick-Ass, obviously. Uh, Halle Berry was in X-Men, X-Men The Last Stand. And who else... Uh, and oh, and days of future, yeah, and days of future past. So that's quite a, a, a bizarre connection, isn't it? Uh, Terence Howard, did you say him? Oh no, he's he's off the screen. He's fallen off the bottom of my screenshot. But he's yes, nine, man. <laughs> yeah, he was in that one. That's all I got. <sighs> you shut it tight, love. <laughs> mate. Yeah. Apparently, I'm talking too much. Gemma says, I'll get you, uh, I'll get, let you get a word in edgeways. So, <laughs> so, so that's that's the point. It's not about Matthew. It's all about me. That's all right. Don't worry about it. I'm going to turn his volume down later anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I just won't be able to hear him in the mix. It's all the plan. Before we get on to the review section, um, here's that interview with Marshall Julius. Hi, it's Chris here from the Movie Bunker podcast, and I'm delighted tonight to be joined by Marshall Julius, film critic for BBC Radio Oxford and social media guru for Channel 5, amongst many, many other things. Welcome to The Bunker, Marshall. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. For our listeners who may not be familiar with your work, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? It might be difficult. Your CV is massive. It's quite busy, isn't it? (laughs) Um, I don't know. Um, Well, I'm the sort of person who I'm either sitting at my laptop in my pajamas or I'm at screenings occasionally interviews but mostly it's either in the cinema not in my pajamas or at my computer in my pajamas <laughs> the life of a film critic and especially now that you can do everything online I mean I barely have to even leave and the house to see the movies either is I'm a shut-in I'm a professional shut-in <laughs> so you've worked with many publications and media outlets, haven't you, over the years? I have, I have. Well, I started back in the old, olden days, back yeah. in, the, in the late 80s. I, I, was, um, I was first hired as the um, classical music editor and opera critic for What's On In London magazine when I was 18. Oh, wow. I, I went straight from, um, from doing my A-levels straight, straight into this job because my editor at the time didn't like overeducated people. And so I was like, perfect for that role. And they realized after a few months of me um, trying to review operas that they should really put me onto film because actually I like yeah. classical music. I, I don't know anything about it. Um, so uh, yeah, I, increasingly I did more and more film stuff then. I suppose over the years, I, I wrote for lots of newspapers, um, especially the um, Sunday Express. Back in the day, before everything kind of thinned out and no one had yeah. any money, there was a great, they had a great um, magazine supplement. I used to travel all over the world writing great nerd stories for them. I was like their kind of freelance geek. And lately, the last 10 years or so, 
although it's been way more online. I've, I've run the social media and written all the content for like Blockbuster and, and, and other companies that mm. um, I didn't run into the ground until they went out. <laughs> so where did your passion for sort of film journalism start or begin? Well, it's really my passion for film. Um, my mum was a huge movie geek before they ever had that phrase and mm. um like saturday afternoons when i suppose regular kids were i don't know watching sport or outside playing or doing whatever kids did in the 70s um me and my mom we'd pull the sofa um, close to the tv she would show me like two old uh, movies every 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 saturday afternoon this was this would be on real television broadcast television pre-internet pre-video even and uh, they'd always show these great old matinees so i grew up watching um bob hope comedies and mm. uh, fred astaire musicals and uh, billy wilder crime thrillers and i just soaked it all up and she would tell me who all the actors were and a little bit about the directors and mm. she just you know she just had all this information in her head and i just kind of soaked it up and I, and I just and that from that moment i think uh, onwards i've just been obsessed and totally in love um, with movies. You're quite fond of a trash movie, aren't you, as well? In the 80s, there was a guy called Michael Medved, a film mm. critic who wrote some you, some books I'm sure you're familiar with, the Golden Turkey books. And then this was a kind of opened up a new world for me. You know, he talked a lot about Ed Wood. He talked about, you know, films in the 50s that kind of low-budget sci-fi kind of horror things like Robot mm. Monster. You know, the guy that had a gorilla suit, they had a space helmet, so it's like put it together and what have you got, <laughs> you yeah. got something terrible and amazing and uh so you know i, I started seeking out these movies and um, I, they used to show them occasionally late at night on tv um there was this great kind of boutique cinema called the scala in king's cross and of course the national film theater and you know you had to put in a bit of effort in the 80s um, and the uh, and the 90s um, if you wanted to catch up with stuff you yeah. could, you know buy it on amazon or download it or you know you had to seek it out and so it was kind of like um i was a bad movie hunter some were quite boring um or fun for 10 minutes um yeah. others, others like plan nine from outer space um became you know my favorite some of my favorite films I mean, they were just so funny. I, I, think that, that... I loved Edward. I've, I've been obsessed with Edward um, for years because he had such a passion for making films that it was the equal of um, Spielberg or or any or Scorsese or any any great director. The only difference was he had no talent at all, and he was right. mad, just completely deluded and had no idea about how to make films properly. Most people would, would really be only familiar with Edward and with the biopic. Johnny Depp played... He's made, a, he's made quite a few bad movies of his own. <laughs> I find the, the bad Johnny Depp movies are, are just incredibly tedious. That's what that's that's the one thing I cannot forgive. Good, bad, whatever, whatever the kind of uh, level of quality it's pitched at. If it's boring, it's trash, and I hate it. I just... Yeah. You know, I think that's the only thing a film shouldn't be. It can be utter shit. Yeah. But, if it, but as long as it's not boring, I'll give it a watch. What we're trying to do within our podcast and our mission is to find a movie that's critically panned but has redeeming merits or something that we would think you would revisit. And I think mm. the only thing that has come close so far for us is not not because the, the film has is quality it's just the nostalgia of maybe reviewing it and it's endearing in a way it was alienator 1990s film starring um uh, michael vincent uh from airwolf 
I don't know if you've seen this film. Oh, yeah, 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 I, I have. It, it does it does ring a bell. I can't say it's like uh, I'm going to be able to quote lines. No, from... no, no. Massive, uh, like a WWF wrestler, a female wrestler with a ro- with a gun arm. Um, it's terribly made, um, but it's... You can't go wrong with a gun arm, though. No, no exactly. <laughs> but, um... Any appendage with a gun arm. <laughs> what do you think goes wrong with these big or small budget films where you know filmmakers or they got the right director possibly attached to it and things don't go according to plans a plan what's your take on that so many so many reasons i mean well for starters your um eyes are bigger than your belly sometimes you know you yeah. have grandiose ideas but you just can't achieve them or you don't have the budget to achieve them mm. um something happens halfway through, maybe your effects budget is cut in half. I mean, yeah. you, you, there's so many things that can um, derail a film. Plus people, people are inherently stupid and they don't get on and they clash with each other and that yeah. kind of stuff can really work against a movie. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're, it's actually, the, the real trick is making a good film. How do they manage that? I mean, why isn't every film terrible is really the question. Mm-hmm. Why, why you, you know, you should be doing a podcast four or five times a day. You know, there, there are just so many terrible films out. Um, I, I think often it's when a director has given too much power. I mm. mean, look at, you know, George Lucas. I've been doing, you know, Star Wars is like, you know, I'm not, I'm not alone in this, you mm. know, is, is, is an obsession of mine. Mm. And you look at Star Wars and you, you, you hear the stories behind it. And, uh, you know, George Lucas had to fight for everything. He, nobody just said yes to him. Everything was a battle. And somehow it all turned out great. Yeah. But then you look at, like, The Phantom Menace. Mm. And at which point he was all powerful. And, and, and all of a sudden, nobody's, nobody's speaking up. Um, he can do whatever he wants. And, you know, he makes the biggest pile of crap in film history. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I, you look at um, Barry Levinson. I mean, he made a lot of great movies and Good Morning Vietnam. And suddenly he's, he can write his own ticket and he makes toys, um, which is terrible Robin Williams film. You know, you get a lot of directors when they're, when they're actually given free reign without anybody interfering. It, you know, it, it can be a complete disaster. Sometimes... You need to interfere. I mean, look at Marvel movies. I'm a big fan of the Marvel movies. They're either excellent or extremely watchable. I don't think there's a single really bad film in the whole of of Marvel Studios' history. And nobody interferes with their directors more than them. I mean, it's crazy how in the Mm. 80s. The 90s, they used to hire these interesting directors and um, completely dominate them. I guess the most recent recent example of that, and it's only because I've been sort of watching some of your YouTube uh, videos as well, is the uh, Josh Trank uh, situation with Fantastic Four. Because yes, the tranquilizer. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did a really, really, um, really good review of that movie uh, on your YouTube channel. Yeah, that, that was the one that I did in my in my toilet, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I tried to. I was, you know, doing these videos at the time in Marshall at the movies, and uh, I wanted to make them kind of location or somehow subject specific. Yeah, I mean, there was only one place to review a stinker like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what... how do they manage to do it? How do they manage? They got the years and years of. Um, <laughs> Years and years of great subject material mm-hmm. they got 
money, access to talent, fantastic actors, the weight of a studio behind them. Mm. And they just make the most god-awful, boring, bloated, terrible film. Like, they've never seen a film. Like, you know, (laughs) literally never seen a film and just had no idea what they were supposed to do. Like, they walked in day one and they said, what's that? And someone said, wait a minute, I'll have a look. Oh, wait, it's called a camera. And I think (laughs) there's stuff in front of it. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's like completely clueless. Terrible, terrible film. Our film, this podcast, was Movie 43. And I'm still getting over it. You've seen it, right? I have. You know, (laughs) um, I know I've seen it. There's the, the, the checklist in my brain. I, yeah, I, yeah. There's, Marshall, you've seen it. There was a time yeah. when you sat down for, what, like an hour and a half, and you watched this thing. But for the life of me, I, I, I watched the trailer. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I did that much prep for this podcast. I, <laughs> I, you know, I appreciate the two and a half minutes I spent watching <laughs> on the three. And yeah, it was yeah. like, I couldn't remember any of it except yeah. for um, Gerald Butler as a leprechaun, which as far as I'm concerned is the only amusing thing that he's done outside the 300s. What a kind of um, wasted opportunity. Yeah, I, I mean, we're, st- we're going to still try and sort of discuss and figure out how the actors agreed and what the studio or what the directors had on them or what, what, what you know, information they'd been mining uh, to get them to agree to do it. But it seems to have been a, a snowball effect uh, from what I've read uh, on, t- on the internet, which obviously must be true, but... Um, Kate, Kate Winslet and, and Hugh, um, Hugh Jackman did the original, uh, their original uh, little uh, vignette, if you like, three years before the, the, you know, they actually put the rest of the movie together. And it's because oh, they had... I see, I, I did not know that, but yeah. yes. It appears that they've uh, then that snowball effect of having people agree based on that, the weight of those two actors alone. And I thought, well, you know, if they're prepared to... If Hugh Jackman's prepared to have bollocks on his neck, then... But yeah, I, I guess that a lot of these people, a lot of those people, um, didn't do don't do much comedy, so they thought it would be a laugh. They they thought, um, yeah, based on the fact that a few um, famous fools had already said that they were yeah, doing yeah, yeah. something, and I think also they lured a lot of people in, people like Elizabeth Banks, who kind of fancied herself as director and wanted to pursue that side of her career. Yes, that's and right. They, she they did well. have a chance to direct their own sequences, and so um, I think that they probably the 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 real talent in that movie were the people who convinced all those yeah. <laughs> to appear in it. I think that if they'd had a if they'd had a fraction of the skill at yeah. actually writing and directing and acting, um, then it, it would have been um, way better. Is there been a film that you've been you know, really looking forward to seeing, and then you've you've hear you've heard those 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 famous words that are, you know, they're not screened for press words or, you know, no press screenings. What kind of internal, what happens internally to you when you hear those words? Oh, well, you know, publicists might like to think that they're, that we don't know why they don't want to show us films until the last minute or at, or at all. Um, Yeah. But we know that's because they don't want us to see them. Because yeah. we'll say terrible things about them. I mean, mm. you know, there are a lot of films that kind of divide critics, um, but uh, the films that are generally not screened to us, um, you just know that they're going to be appalling stinkers. Also, when we're forced to sign, um, you know, these little these little slips of 
legally binding papers. Oh, yes. Archives, which I hate. Um, it's like, you know, you can't even tweet about them. And it's like, for me, what is the point of going to see something if I can't tweet about it? What is the point of actually having any experience at all? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah online and if they say that you know there's a there's a tweeting embargo there's a review embargo um it's because they think that we're going to say all sorts of you know venomous things before the movie premieres um mm. or you know that they want at least a, a day or two where word hasn't spread around yet mm. but it's um, terrible the thing about film critics is um that nobody um that we're practically redundant. Nobody listens to us and nobody cares what we say. So well, honestly, even if we say terrible things, yeah. um, it's not really going to put people off. I mean, I've, I've reviewed me and my colleagues have reviewed films incredibly harshly. And mm. I mean, and just look at Bohemian Rhapsody, you mm. know, that's out now that got, that's got a really cruddy rating on mm. Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but everybody loves it. It's doing so, very well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're right, and so <laughs> so is the public. You know, well, it's, all it's objective. That's it's why it's the easiest job in the world being a film critic. Yeah. I think all you actually have to, well, anybody can review a film. Mm. I think the difference, um, the difference between uh, kind of some some professional critics and and, and, and most other people is that um, you just try have to make it readable and interesting and i was trying to make it kind of fun and entertaining i'll always mm. sacrifice a bit of depth in my review if i can get a few jokes in as yeah, yeah. no problem you know basically people just want to know if they if they're going to be amused um but you know when they read a review if they don't like what you say then they just say oh bloody critics they don't like anything yeah there yeah and that's often what the directors uh come back to as well and when when things don't maybe go according to plan I, I don't know a single critic who doesn't love film like monkeys love bananas. You know, yeah, I don't yeah. know. There's no critic in the business. There's who, who, who got into it because he hates film or she, nice. hates you know, it's just that after a while, um, you've seen everything a hundred times. You've seen every kind of story a thousand times so that when you see a comedy that to some people might seem fresh and amusing, you can think of a thousand times when you've seen it better. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's just the, the more you know, um, the harder it is to be uh, impressed. Yeah, um, yeah. I try and hold on to my enthusiasm for things. It's Christmas time, uh, apparently. So we're going to do, I think... Uh, are we talking about Christmas now already? I suppose so, yes. Yeah, so when the next, this podcast is released, uh, hopefully this Sunday, it will be well. And then I think really by the time we release the next one, we're well and truly into the Christmas... Uh, Horror. Horror, yeah, okay. Yeah, I agree. Have you got any suggestions for us in, in terms of Christmas movies that you would say would be pretty pants or for us to, a challenge for us to try and find uh, something good from a bad Christmas film? You know, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Oh, Christ. <laughs> no, this is, I think this is, we're going back to, to the 50s here to kind of okay. go with bad cinema. I think that is definitely something worth watching. I mean, most films... Um, most films about Santa are just terrible. I mean, yeah. there was that terrible thing with Vince Vaughn, wasn't it? Was it Fred Claus? Fred Claus, yes. Yeah. Which I we... mean, I actually, I love Paul Giamatti. I couldn't actually get through that film. I really, I despise Vince Vaughn. I, I, he just <laughs> yeah. strikes me as an incredibly unpleasant person. Yeah, and yeah. why anybody thinks that, you know, looking at him... It, <laughs> 
is an entertaining um you know, thing to do. I I just don't get it. Um I so I you know, I would seek out Santa Claus um Conks the Martians. Yeah. I would try and find it. Um uh, if we can find at least any any kind of YouTube clips of it, we might we might we might delve in now a little uh, a little dabble in that one. But um Marshall, thank you so much for for doing the interview with us today. It's been really fantastic talking to you. What what can people catch you on social media doing? What's your handles or what have you? Well, I mean, everything, my whole life is on Twitter, just at Marshall Julius. You come and find me there. And, uh, you know, my my Instagram is an afterthought. Um, yeah. My Facebook is kind of like more private um, for yeah. mates stuff really my but my my geek life yeah um, the, the main part of my life um is out there on twitter every day you know i'm kind of sharing pictures of my collection i get facetious film reviews um ridiculous pictures of clouds that look like things um you know i kind of whatever strikes me as funny lots of um ludicrous star wars content yeah, and, uh, and basically pictures of me with celebrities that I've taken over the years, over a long career of um, of just uh, whoring myself for uh, for pictures and freebies. Um, I kind of share it all. I obviously put the the word out that we were going to do this film, and there was lots of uh, comments on our social media, Facebook pages, etc. Lee Carter wrote, "Oh my lord, kamikaze pilots went through less." when I mentioned that we were going to be watching this. Dan Cook on Facebook, the worst movie I've ever seen. Apocalyptic crock of shit, said James McCulloch. Uh, Andy Bleasdale, it's like someone curled out a giant steaming turd, slapped a title on it and put it on screen. I've had co- uh, colonoscopies that were more fun. Keeping keeping up with the scatological sense of the... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Louise Clarkson. I had to turn it off. I love Hugh Jackman, but not with wibbly ghoulies hanging from his chin. Ghoulies. That's a fucking word I've not heard in an awfully long time. Ghoulies. Ghoulies. Love that. Bring that back. I'm bringing. I'm bringing ghoulies back. Jordan King sent me a. Li- uh, this is on Facebook as well. Sent me a link to his uh, letterboxed review from 2013, and the last line. Uh, it's probably the best line I've ever read. Uh, fuck this film. Fuck it all the way back to the mire of shit it was conjured from. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't watch this film again. If I was flicking over and it was an ITV2, would I carry on watching it? I would probably end up breaking my remote in a, in a, in a frenzied attempt at fucking trying to get to the next channel. Um, which even if it was QVC trying to sell me some Diamante shit, I would leave it on that for fear of pushing the wrong button and going back to some of this film. What if you lost the remote control? I mean, we just, just I could just vision visualize you pulling your plasma TV off the wall. <laughs> yeah, either that or just drive my head into it. Anything to stop. <laughs> stop the film have you got any 10 out of 10 reviews you'd like to share i have yeah so um i don't know if this one is a typo but the the title is so funny i laugh so hard i spotted (laughs) and i don't know what that means i mean like is that like an old lady terms where you have a little bit of wee wee come out unnecessarily ah that's a good point i initially i thought that was because maybe you laugh so hard that some of the veins pop in your face i mean that happens to me uh, when i'm being sick uh, violently yes but no I think you're right I think maybe it's to do with wee wee 
It had a little bit of wee come out. Cat Wampler says, It's a Farrelly movie, for God's sakes. Get over it. If you thought the drunk chick sneezing and shitting all over the bathtub wall in Hall Pass was funny, if you, if the Franken beans in There's Something About Mary made you cringe, if Stifler drinking beer with spunk in it, American Pie made you gag, or Austin Powers' cup of nutty coffee made you quit drinking, Joe, then this movie is definitely for you. See, what he's done there is he's got it entirely <laughs> wrong. Entirely wrong. So, right? Like, so what? So he starts off well with the shitting and sneezing was funny, right? You go, okay, if I enjoyed that, right? If the Frank and Beans in this thing about me made you cringe, cringe isn't a good thing. Cringe is a bad no. thing. If Stephen yep, drinking yep. beer with spunk in it made you gag, again, not a good thing. Or Austin Powers' cup of nutty coffee made you quit drinking Joe, again, not a good thing. Then this movie is for you. So what Matt is saying is that if it, it this film's nothing like those bits, <laughs> it's nothing like those bits. Anyway, amazing how they got away with it. The only thing that would made this movie any better, worse, in brackets, than it is if they had Dennis' crazy Randy brother Randy Quaid in it. Oh, God, yeah. That was, that was As far as he's concerned, the only way that this film would get any better is if you put Randy Quaid in it. <sighs> he's wrong. <laughs> Go on, then. 10 out of 10. Get a sense of humour. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why people hate this movie so much. I thought... It was hilarious. I mean, Stephen Merchant with a pinia tattooed on his cheek and Chris Pratt getting hit by a car and shitting all over the windshield almost made me shit myself. <laughs> 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 to offset comedy snobs. So you do get this, don't you? You do get um, people like who maybe mildly enjoyed it, 10 out of 10-ing it, just because other people have 1 out of 10 it, in, a, in an attempt to make right in the universe what's happened to their poor, poor Yeah, They mildly enjoyed. This one review here, 10 out of 10, very nice. It says, Masterpiece, don't hesitate to watch it with kids and fam on a Sunday afternoon. With kids and fam? <laughs> Matthew, Christmas is upon us. It's coming. It's like a behemoth jingling towards me. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. <laughs> it's already begun, hasn't it? I saw, I've seen, um, um, not that I'm counting, five Christmas adverts now. Um, lengthy these Christmas adverts are these these days, aren't they? They don't they don't whack out. Yeah. Like, they're not normal lengths. They normally take up the whole entire advert breaks for their premiere. So you've already heard um, Marshall has given us a couple of suggestions um, for Christmas viewing. There are plenty um i've already we'll, we'll start pushing the the christmas envelope if you're happy to go all festive matthew for a couple of weeks yeah 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 we'll do christmas it seems appropriate if you've got any uh, stinkers christmas stinkers that you'd like to propose get in touch is there, is there any greater genre which is more forgiving than the christmas film i don't think there is is there because literally yeah. you can put out any shit as long as there's some snow a reindeer and a Christmas tree in it at some point, you're gonna fucking watch it at Christmas. I mean Family's like, coming together. Elf is like now it's like almost fever pitch people watch that fucking film. And, you know, it's alright. It's not that good. Oh Matthew, how dare you? So if you want to get in touch with us and propose a Christmas film or filmers, then please follow on Twitter. It's movie underscore bunker. 
And you mm. can also like us on Facebook. That's virtually like us. You can like us physically and virtually. But uh, give us a thumbs up on there and just search for the Movie Bunker podcast on Facebook. We've got a YouTube channel which has got all our little video clips of uh, or the best bits, if you like. That's all on there. Search for the Movie Bunker podcast on YouTube. We have Instagram. We're doing it's Instagram. Mo- We're going down with the kids down with the kids Matthew's in charge of that so that's going to be <laughs> blistering so it's goodbye from me I'm not saying bye to these people if they got this funny <laughs> they're committed already <laughs> alright bye cheerio cheerio